Lovely. So the reading is in Genesis. It's on page 12 of the Bibles in your chairs. And um, page 13, actually. And it's chapter 12 and starting at verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had, had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree at Morah, at Shechem, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on towards the hills of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and A on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Well, let's pray, shall we? The psalmist uh, writes, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that this is the nature of your word and we so ask tonight that it will be this for us, that by your Holy Spirit you will take this word from this page and shine the light into our hearts that we may walk in the way that Abraham walked before us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what is faith? What is faith? It's a good uh, question, isn't it? I wonder how would you answer that question if uh, someone said to you, what is uh, faith? I'm not going to um, put you on the spot uh, at the moment. That's all right. Don't worry. It is, a, it is a question, I think, that there's often confusion about. Uh, and people speak of faith uh, in very different uh, ways. Uh, here's a few. I've been reading the Bible recently with, with a guy who's been exploring the Christian faith. Uh, he's been to church quite a bit. Uh, he knows a, a reasonably good deal uh, about the Christian faith. But he feels that to make the commitment to follow Jesus would be like a leap of faith. That's how he described it to me. He felt unable to take this leap of faith. People have talked about faith as a great leap into the darkness, uh, a leap in the dark. I wonder if that's uh, what you think it is. Is that right? Or another view that I've come across. I uh, went to see a debate uh, at Westminster Central Hall a few years back, and there was a, a famous scientist called Lewis Wolpert who was there debating uh, for atheism. Uh, and he describes faith as like believing in six impossible things before 
Breakfast. I think he's quoting from one of the Alice in Wonderland uh, books. And in fact, he himself wrote a book uh, called Six Impossible Things Before Breakfast, his book attacking faith. In other words, faith is incredulity, uh, worse than wishful thinking, it's just nonsense. Others, though, liken faith to a personal quality uh, that some people have uh, and others don't have. I wonder how many people have uh, had, the, had someone say to you, I don't have faith like you do. Or maybe they put it more positively, I wish I had your faith. I can remember thinking that myself as a, as a child uh, in uh, school assemblies. We had one teacher who took us through a particularly gripping series of assemblies looking at King David in the Old Testament. Uh, and I was really attracted uh, to the way David was portrayed. And I thought, I wish I had his faith. Uh, and I thought it was just impossible uh, to ever have faith like that. Well, what is faith? What does it look like? It's a rather important question, I would suggest, because it gets to the heart of the Christian life. And if you're not yet quite convinced about Christianity, uh, then it is a vital question to deal with, isn't it? Or if you've already become a Christian, perhaps this is something that you struggle with. You struggle with doubt and wonder from time to time, is my faith the real thing? Is it really uh, the real thing? Well, tonight we're starting a little uh, series of talks looking at Abraham, uh, looking at the life of faith in the life of Abraham. And he's a great person to look at, to ask about the question of faith. The New Testament, in fact, holds him up uh, as a model. Uh, he's described in Galatians as the man of faith. And in several other places, uh, we're told to look to him uh, as an example uh, for us. And so having a good look at his life over the next few weeks uh, and his faith through the ups uh, and downs, I hope will be really, really helpful as we discover uh, what real faith uh, is. But we aren't going to just do a character study. Uh, as we go along the Abraham story, I hope we'll see also that in his life uh, is a great turning point uh, in the big story uh, of the Bible in the big story of history. And I hope we'll see as we go along that, in fact, Abraham is not the hero. Uh, God is the hero uh, who is at work in his life. So we're in Genesis uh, chapter 12. And so far in the book of Genesis, what has happened? We've had a description of creation in wonderful poetic uh, language, describing that God created the world, that he spoke it into being. And then we've had a description of the sorry tale of human rebellion uh, against him, against our loving uh, creator. And we see God's judgment on it. He hands us over to our desire to live without him. And what you see in Genesis 1 to 11 is a series of sort of cycles uh, of spreading uh, human sin and God's judgment on it with Cain, uh, with the flood, uh, with the Tower of Babel. It's a pretty depressing kind of sequence of things until Genesis chapter 12. Then hope comes for the first time, really. Uh, well, not quite for the first time, but the first time in a big way. If this were um, Star Wars, uh, we've gone through, if you like, the first three films with sort of spiralling downwards into trouble. And we are now at episode four, A New Hope. That's what's going on with Abraham. So we're going to have a look at uh, 
chapter 12 and these first nine verses uh, tonight. Now, I've given uh, a couple of uh, titles. There we go. Uh, and the first part uh, I've called God's Amazing Call and Promises. We're introduced to Abraham. At this stage, his name is Abram. Uh, his name's going to be changed later on. Uh, and at the end of um, chapter 11, we're introduced to his family, his wife uh, and his nephew who are, are with him. Uh, and uh, just put a map up so we can kind of see uh, where we are. So Abraham uh, originally is from Ur, which is, this is kind of the southern part of Iraq, kind of a marshland territory now. Uh, he's from Ur, uh, and then he makes a big journey with his family all the way up to the top of Iraq uh, to this place called Haran, which is where we find him at the beginning of chapter 12. And then in chapter 12 from Haran, he does this other really long journey all the way down uh, to the land of Canaan. Uh, which is where he spends uh, a good deal of the rest of his uh, life. So that's the map of Abraham's life uh, and his uh, journeys. Uh, it takes place around about 4,000 uh, years ago. Uh, so it is, a, is a, good, a good time ago, isn't it? Let's have a look at verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. It's one simple sentence, but it is an amazing sentence, given what we've seen uh, in the first 11 chapters uh, of Genesis. Suddenly, God speaks this amazing uh, word uh, of hope. We're not told exactly how he does it, but God communicates with this man. And he calls him, he summons him to do something amazing, to leave his country, his people, and his father's household, and to go to another land, which he doesn't yet know where that will be. It's an extraordinary call, isn't it? You can't really get bigger than that. Leave everything that you know and love, and go somewhere else that you don't even know yet uh, where it will be. Who can possibly give such a call on someone's life? Well, only God, the creator, is really fit and worthy uh, to give such a command to somebody. In fact, it reminds you, doesn't it, of Jesus uh, when he calls his disciples to leave their fishing boats, uh, to leave uh, their families and their, their father's businesses, and to come with him, uh, and they don't know where he is going to take them. It's an amazing call uh, of God. And we see with it amazing promises. Just have a look down at verses 2 uh, and 3. They're amazing promises because, as we've seen, it's been a downward spiral in the Bible so far. But now there is hope. Put those four promises up. There they are. First, there's a land to go to. Uh, Abraham is a wandering nomad. Uh, so this is, a, this is a wonderful promise to him. There's going to be a land, a place to call home. And verse 7 makes it clear that it is going to be a possession for his family. And then second, he's promised to be made into a great nation. Uh, that will occupy this land. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Having lots of children in the Old Testament is one of the very essences of being blessed, uh, of being blessed by God. Uh, and that's what uh, Abraham is promised. And it is, a, it is a momentous promise because at this stage, we've been told, end of chapter 11, Sarai, his wife, is not able to have children. 11 verse 30, she was barren. Abraham is also, by this stage, an old man. And so it's actually uh, a miraculous thing that is being uh, promised here. 
And we'll see uh, in weeks to come how this is going to happen. And then third, Abraham is promised a great name. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. Abraham will be one of the most famous people in the world, in the whole of history, in fact. Millions today look back to him uh, as their father in faith, not just Christians and Jews, uh, but many others do as well. But even in Abraham's lifestyle, sorry, in his lifetime, he is going to be significant. And the reason is that God is calling him into this remarkable personal relationship. God is going to draw him in so that Abraham will be God's man on earth, quite unlike anyone else. God is going to identify himself with Abraham and with his family. So much so that if you bless Abraham, you're going to be blessed in return. Uh, If Abraham blesses you, that's really good news. If you curse Abraham, you will be cursed uh, in return. In the the sort of uh, Godfather gangster movies, you remember that famous line, you mess with me, you mess with my whole family. You remember that one? I don't don't know which one of the films it's from. I've never seen them all the way through. They're a bit bit too grim for my uh, taste. But this is kind of better than that, isn't it? It's saying if you mess with Abraham, it's like you're messing uh, with the creator of the universe. The relationship is going to be that close. He's going to be God's man on earth. He's going to be like family uh, to God. What an amazing privilege for this one man uh, to have uh, on the earth. It's quite remarkable, really, when you think about it. But it gets even more amazing because the fourth promise all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. I mean, this is just quite astonishing, isn't it? In the middle of this sinful world, God speaks, he communicates with this one man, and he says, I'm going to rebuild the human race through you, starting with you, this Middle Eastern nomad uh, 4,000 years ago. It really is a major turning point uh, in history, one of the most remarkable turning points in the whole of the history of the human race. God's dealings with the human race are off to a new start with Abraham. Well, I don't know how Abraham thought about this. Uh, Perhaps he wondered why, why me out of everybody is single. That well, no answer is given. All we can see is that God takes the initiative and chooses him. We do know that Abraham is not particularly special in his character, at least not yet. He's got a lot of development to go. The second half of chapter 12, we've seen, in fact, that Abraham doesn't behave in the best way uh, when he spends a time down in Egypt. He doesn't know why, and he doesn't really know how yet it's going to happen. How are all these things going to take place? Abraham hasn't read Vaughan Roberts's book, God's Big Picture. He doesn't know how it's all going to be fulfilled in the nation of Israel in part, and then ultimately in Jesus, and as the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out uh, to all nations. But we know, don't we? We know that in, in a good way how these things are fulfilled. Even us, thousands of miles away in this little island, uh, the blessings uh, that came to Abraham are still uh, coming uh, to us. So this amazing little passage of Genesis is just an amazing insight into the God of the Bible, 
and what he is like. He specialises uh, in taking the initiative in speaking, uh, in calling and making promises. In fact, the whole of the Bible is structured around God making promises and then seeing how they are fulfilled. He promises uh, and he always uh, delivers. There's a slide there of a very uh, simple structure uh, to the Bible. We see this in the Bible's big storyline. We also see it in the way God deals with every single one of us. As individuals, as individual Christians today, our Christian life begins in the same kind of way as it did with Abraham. God's amazing call and his promises centered around Jesus Christ. Uh, Every time the gospel is proclaimed, God's call uh, is sent out. God calls to us, repent, turn from living our selfish ways back to him and put our trust uh, in Jesus, be baptized. That's how Peter put it. Uh, on the day of Pentecost. That's the call that comes to all of us. And the promise is, if we respond, then we receive forgiveness of sins, all of our sins, past, present and future. And also, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God will bless us. God will come and live with us and be our God. And we will be his people, just in the same way uh, that Abraham was one of God's people back then. So we're not exactly identical to Abraham. Abraham does have this unique place in history. But it is basically still the same kind of relationship that God calls us to. So do you see why it's really helpful to look at Abraham uh, and we can learn so much for ourselves? Every Christian has received God's call and promises. That is how uh, we started out, as Paul puts it. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message And the message is heard through the word of Christ. How is it that some have faith and others don't, as we thought about earlier? Well, part of the answer is that some have heard the gospel proclaimed to them and responded. Which tells us, doesn't it, how urgent it is that we are part of getting the gospel out. How can people believe unless someone tells them? Well, there's God's amazing call and his promises. That's the first part of the message. And then we see Abraham's wholehearted response, down to verse 4. So Abraham left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. How does Abraham respond? Well, he simply takes God at his word. He leaves as the Lord told him, and he does it in a whole-hearted way. Just look at the way it's emphasised. He took everything with him, didn't he? He took all his possessions, all his servants, his wife uh, and his nephew. He doesn't leave anything behind. He doesn't leave a little house behind in Haran as a kind of security or a little investment in the bank there. No, it all comes. Uh, He leaves everything and puts his trust entirely in God's promises and so obeys God's call. You know that he believes uh, because he obeys. And it's the same with us today. Uh, We believe and so we obey. And we know that someone believes because they then obey 
Now, this all tells us something about the nature of faith, doesn't it? God reaches out to us with his call and his promise, and faith is simply responding uh, to that. If verses 1 to 3 is like God stretching his hand out down to us, verse 4 to 9 is simply Abraham grasping onto that hand. Faith is saying yes to God. It's saying, I'm going to trust you. That's what it is. It's really quite simple, isn't it? It's saying yes to God, putting our trust in him, and it leads to living a life in obedience to him. We can see clearly then some of the things faith is not. Faith is not about earning a place in God's good books. You see, it starts with God's initiative. He issues the call and the summons, and faith is just to respond and say yes. It's an empty hand to God's hand coming down. We can also see that faith is not some kind of weird and irrational thing. It's not six impossible things before breakfast. It's not some abstract quality that some people have and some don't have. Neither is it a great leap in the dark. It is simply responding to what God has revealed about himself to us. It involves getting to know a bit about God and his promises and his call and weighing it all up, thinking about it, and then trusting, trusting in him. The description of what happens to Abraham is really, really concise, uh, but it may be that he took a little bit longer uh, than one verse to come to the point uh, of putting his trust uh, in these promises. For most of us today, it does take uh, a little longer uh, than just hearing it once. Although wonderfully, some people do respond with just one uh, call. So faith is simply a response to God's initiative, taking God at his word. It's not a leap in the dark because it's a response to what God has revealed about himself. Although interestingly, it is, of course, a step into the unknown. We don't know exactly where God is going to take us. Abraham didn't know exactly where he was going to be taken, did he? But he did know enough about God to think it is worth me going with him. And we have so much more knowledge than Abraham, don't we? Uh, 4,000 years later, uh, we've got so much history of God's dealing with people throughout time. And we can see how everything works out and is fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ. So we've got so much more to weigh up, so much more evidence uh, to deal with. Faith, then, is taking God at his word, trusting him, which leads to obeying him. In Abraham's case, it did literally mean leaving everything and going to a new place. And in the same kind of way, faith does mean now putting God at the center uh, and having him number one over every other allegiance uh, or thing in our lives. This is how we begin the Christian life and it is in fact how we daily keep on going with him. Being a Christian is a life of ongoing faith, ongoing turning uh, to God and obeying him. Well how did it work out in Abraham's life in the next few verses? Verse 6, Abraham travelled through the land of Canaan as far as the site of the great tree of Moray at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Well, 
after taking God at his word and going, after that, the identity of the land is revealed. So he's gone down, he's followed the fertile crescent uh, around the edge of the desert and gone down into Canaan. He didn't know before that this was going to be the place uh, that God was going to promise, but now that he's there, uh, God makes it clear, this is the land uh, that you and your family are going to possess. It's a great example, I think, isn't it, of how we receive the benefits of God promises, God's promises after we've trusted and obeyed. Abraham had to go, and after he went, God showed him more. So faith is a step into the unknown, but as we do it, God blesses us and gives us more. And it's the same for Christians. As we go on in the Christian life, we receive so many more blessings than we'd ever even imagined at the beginning. It just gets better uh, and better, even though there are ups and downs. And also, we've been promised, haven't we, heaven, uh, if we trust uh, in Jesus. We don't have it now. We don't actually know that much about what it's going to be like. We've got hints, we've got wonderful descriptions at the end of Revelation. But presently, we see, as Paul puts it, as through some glass darkly. And only afterwards will we see God face to face and receive the full benefits. Someone has described uh, being a Christian as a, a little bit like being invited into Doctor Who's TARDIS. On the outside, it looks quite small. But go inside and it's actually rather huge, maybe as big as this uh, auditorium. The benefits come after you take the step with God. It's not a leap in the dark, but it is a step uh, into a far larger world that we will discover far more than we ever possibly uh, imagined. And you can see how Abraham responds to this. He is delighted at seeing more of God's blessings for him. He builds an altar uh, in response uh, to this additional piece of information. He does it twice, in fact, and he calls on the name of the Lord. He is walking uh, in a living relationship with God. He's living in thanksgiving and walking with God because God is proving himself to be good uh, to his word as he always is. So the two parts of this reading, God's amazing call and promises and Abraham's wholehearted response. Two things to say uh, as we finish. Abraham's response is wholehearted. What does this say about the issue of doubt that we raised earlier? Is there any room for doubt? Well, if doubt is an issue, just think what we've learned about faith. It's not so much a quality in itself, a thing. It's rather the object that the faith is put in. And so you've probably heard this before. I've said it before. Uh, Someone advised me years ago, brilliant bit of advice, for one look within, take ten looks at him. Look at the object uh, of our faith, Jesus Christ, uh, rather than ourselves and worrying whether we've actually got enough faith or not. If we look at him, that is one of the best ways to deal uh, with doubts. But also, I would say, keep coming uh, to these talks uh, on the life of faith in Abraham, because actually we don't see uh, everything uh, in just one uh, of these passages. We can say that Abraham responded wholeheartedly uh, to God, uh, and the whole direction of his life is that, wholeheartedly going towards God more and more. 
But there are still times when he wobbles, uh, when he is shaky and acts in a way that makes you question uh, his faith. There is room within real faith, within wholehearted faith, uh, for doubts and wobbles. So if you're struggling with doubts, it doesn't mean despair. Uh, Abraham struggled with them as well, and he is the model uh, of faith. But keep coming, uh, and we'll deal with those as they come up. But what about anyone who has not yet taken the step of faith? Well, from what we've learned about faith tonight, I hope you can see that faith is a response to God revealing himself. And it may be, therefore, that you're in a situation, you think, well, actually, I don't really know enough about God to respond to him. And if that's the case, it would be quite wrong for me to urge you to have faith. Perhaps you're at the stage when you need to continue to investigate. There are lots of ways of doing that. Uh, in particular, in a few weeks, at the 1st of June, uh, we are going to start a course called Christianity Explored. Uh, it's a brilliant way, on Monday evenings over a meal, uh, to explore further uh, the Christian faith, to build up the knowledge that you need to be able to take that step of faith. Can I advertise that to you again? Advertise that for your friends. Uh, it's a great course, an excellent course, uh, and we're starting it again soon. But there does come a point, of t- a point in time when we know enough information to be able to respond. It is worth saying that we're never going to know all the answers. Uh, Christian faith is not like a mathematical proof. It's not as if one of us can do a mathematical equation and prove 100% uh, that it's all true. But there is a time, I believe, uh, when we have enough evidence uh, to be able to make a decision for God. So I mentioned at the beginning, reading the Bible with this um, guy recently. I can speak about him because he's actually left Basingstoke. He's moved somewhere else in the country. We studied a good chunk of Luke's gospel together. And I think we have come to the point, he has come to the point when he knows enough. He's actually signed up to a Christianity Explored course in a new church where he's just moved to. And I hope that he will take that step of faith. And maybe even tonight, there's someone tonight who you actually, if you're honest, you do know enough. Yeah, there are some doubts, but you know enough to be able to take that step of faith, to be able to take God at his word. Maybe, I don't know, do I need to urge you tonight uh, to stop procrastinating uh, and to actually take the step uh, of trusting in him? There's nothing better you can do with your life. There's nothing more uh, important. And we've learned, haven't we, that if we do take that step and go forward with God, he will make good on his promises. He will come uh, to us and have a relationship with us. Paul wrote, to the Thessalonians, these amazing words, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Let's pray that we respond to him. Thank you, Father, for your amazing call to us, back to you, Thank you for your amazing promises, forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, and eternal life in heaven. I pray for each of us tonight. For any of us who don't know enough yet, 
I pray that you will grant that spirit of eagerness to find out more. For any of us who know enough but haven't yet made the step, Father, tonight I pray that even tonight or even this week might be that time of coming to you wholeheartedly. And for the rest of us, please strengthen our faith and help us to look at you rather than our own shaky faith within. And to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.